Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your host, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And it's a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Well, it was a memorable day and a memorable weekend at Martinsville Speedway this weekend. And you're, we're breaking it all down for you tonight on Talking in Circles. Clint Boyer snapped his 190-race winless streak, the third-longest streak in NASCAR history between wins. Bill Elliott was the, is the longest streak, then Martin Truex Jr., and now it's Clint Boyer at 190 races. He wins the STP 500 today at Martinsville Speedway, a race that was delayed by snow, of all things. Uh, just the second race that I can remember since 1993 that has been delayed by snow, uh, and it turned out to be a good one today. Boyer led 215 laps en route to victory. It's his first win since October of 2012 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Um, you know, I looked at his lap times. I know a lot of people didn't expect Boyer to win, but I had him in, in some fantasy uh, pools this week. Uh, his lap times looked pretty good. I expected a top-five run, but John, especially when on, a, on a long run, it looked like that 14 car had it figured out. Mike Bogaravich and Clint Boyer had it figured out today. They went out there and ran a solid, solid race. And it's Clint Boyer's ninth career victory today at Martinsville Speedway. What are your thoughts on Boyer? Uh, a guy who, listen, I'm not trying to defend what he did in Spingate because I think what he did at Spingate, and, and I don't care what anybody says, I think it was intentional. Um, what he did at Spingate was wrong. But he's fought his way back, and I believe in second chances for people. And He's worked hard. He took a ride at, at H. Scott Motorsports. Not a lot of people would have taken. They would have been too stubborn and too proud to take that. Boyer did. He shut his mouth for a year, worked, ran his guts out for a year at that team as well. He deserves a lot of credit for that. Went to the 14. They had a tough year last year. He said that in Victory Lane today on, on MRN Radio. They had a tough year last year. Him and Bogaravich worked with each other uh, through the offseason to try and get better. And this 14 car was on rails today. Great run and a, and a well-deserved victory for Clint Boyer today at Martinsville Speedway. What were your thoughts? Well, Clint Boyer's always been a great short track racer. I mean, his, uh, if you look, one of his best tracks is Mar- is uh, Richmond. Um, and he's been competitive at Martinsville. I mean, he's had a lot of top tens, a few top fives. He's been knocking on the door to get that grandfather clock. He just hasn't pulled it off. And today it just seemed like uh, when he made that pass to take the lead, and it just seemed like traffic fell right for him where he would hit them where he needed to, uh, where he would make the pass and be able to put them in between him and Kyle Bush. And it took, for some reason, it took Bush more than it took Boyer to get through traffic. Um, yeah, the H. Scott Motorsports deal, I think it was sort of a, and as we saw toward the end of Harry Scott's life, it was more of a uh, smoke and mirrors thing on everything because, Harry Scott said, well, we'll take care of you. We'll make sure we're competitive and everything, and we'll get uh, resources from Stuart Haas Racing, and we're getting chassis from Hendrick and all that stuff, but they still didn't have any any engineering staff or anything like that. So it turned into be a year-long um, dumpster fire for Clint Boyer over at H. Scott Motorsports. And last year, I mean, yeah, Clinton, Mike Bogaravage at time looked like they were going to unravel last year, but as – the year went on, and as the offseason came out, the switch from Chevy to Ford at Stuart Haas was a hell of a lot more went into it than everybody expected. I mean, 
they were getting their chassis from Hendrick. They were getting engineering support from Hendrick. Now they were doing it on their own. And granted, Rex Stump is one of the best chassis people you run into, but they had no notebook of what the Ford would do. They had no idea what was going to come out of it. And it took them a year to get their stuff under them. But in 2018, when Ford was supposedly dead because of the new Chevys and Toyotas being where they are, Ford's won four of the six races. And they really haven't. They've, uh, you know, it's all been Stuart Haas Racing, those four or six wins. I mean, they were a half a lap. Stuart Haas Racing is a half, half a lap away in the Daytona 500 from winning five or six races this year. It just shows you how good that team has been. Who knows what would have happened if Harvick didn't have his issues at California Speedway over as well. Clint Boyer was in victory lane, and he was excited, John, on his first win in over uh, almost six years. You know, to have it come here, this is the place where I've gotten so close. I wanted to win this grandfather clock so bad. I mean, Patty come over. We got so close to back in 2012, and to see him and everybody, uh, you know, Mike, Booga, everybody, everybody on this team, everybody at Stuart Haas Racing. Um, this year, we learned last year, obviously, Harvick came on strong at the end of last year, but uh, it was a learning year for our team with the 14 bunch. Um, it, it was just time. It, it's, for whatever reason, it felt right driving up here. Such a cool place to be able to drive up uh, through the countryside on a two-lane road and think about the race. And, and I told him this morning, I was like, damn it, we got to get a picture in Victor Lane. And uh, he, he told me he wanted a checkered flag. We get that checkered flag. Let me tell you something. Gene Haas, Tony Stewart, to give, uh, you know, this old dog a, a, a fresh, fresh chance and, and fresh blood, um, new opportunity. No doubt about it. It was a huge win for Boyer today, and you could hear it in his voice. He, you know, he sounded uh, ready to win again, and he was just focused. You can hear, you know, he sounded a little tired. I mean, you got to remember it's 500 laps at Martinsville with uh, cautions that we didn't see very many at all. I think it was the least caution-filled Martinsville race in over 40 years. I mean, that's incredible today, and and three of the cautions were due to competition, one of a competition caution and the two um, stage cautions as well. The only the other caution we really had for an accident was when Jamie McMurray got together with Austin Dillon. But uh, so it was an exhausting race, and he earned that one. I mean, he really did. He did a great job. Uh, he was dominant at the end of that race. Lapped up until the 15th place car. Eric Amarola's teammate was in 14th. Uh, he was the last car on the lead lap. So a, a, a very good day for Clint Boyer. Uh, I don't think there was a a you know a person who felt bad for him today. I mean, he he. You know, you can't say he didn't earn that one because he certainly, certainly did. He went out there and pretty much dominated uh, the second half of the race, you know, and uh, a, a, certainly a deserving uh, win for Clint Boyer. Kyle Busch finished second. Then you had Ryan Blaney, Martin Truex Jr., and Kevin Harvick, the top five. Uh, you know, it's been a year of Kyle Busch, a year of second places for him this year, John. You know, he seems so close this year, just hasn't been able to pull the trigger. Um, and, you know, Martinsville's not a great track for him historically, but recently, he's run pretty good there. A second-place run for Kyle Busch, not a bad day. Led 24 laps as well in the M&M's Carmel uh, Toyota today. Yeah, uh, Kyle Busch, uh, unfortunately for him, another second place. And it was funny listening to uh, Adam Stevens on uh, Sirius XM this week, where Kyle Busch is the firm believer in the Ricky Bobby rule, if you're not first, you're last. And Adam Stevens is sort of the same way. He just doesn't show it as much as Kyle does. Um, and Kyle keeps saying, he says, we're close. We're right there each and every week. We keep executing. We keep doing a jo- good job, but it's not good enough. It's very frustrating. But normally, I mean, one of the things Kyle Bush, and this is where coming into him, he has his moments where he's 
just a space case and loses it and is a total dink about things. But today, one of the things, if you um, look on the social medias and you'll find it, um, Kyle Busch slowed traffic down coming out of Martinsville because he saw a kid wearing a Kyle Busch hat, stopped his car, got out, shook the kid's hand, signed his hat, and put on his on his uh, Twitter saying, hey, sorry I slowed down traffic, but I wanted to say thank you because going to Martinsville this weekend was probably the one of the worst ways you can sit through a, a race possible. You go in there if you're going to camp out, people in tents, and they have a snowstorm. They postponed the race to Monday, and probably half the crowd had to go back to work. But it was 45, 50 degrees out there with a breeze. And just think in those cars, you always hear them complaining in the summertime about how hot it is. They have a window net, and the other window does not have a window in it. And they're running around at 90-mile-an-hour laps with wind going in and out of that car, and all they're in is a fire suit and their uh, flame retardant stuff underneath. I bet those boys were cold when they got out. <laughs> they probably were. It was a... It was a very cold day, no doubt, at Martinsville. And you bring up a good point, you know, with Kyle. He, you know, he does some things where, he, you know, especially when he was younger, where you kind of scratched your head a little bit and went, "What?" But now, uh, I think he's grown up, grown on people, and he's, um, you know, you have to respect the fact that he doesn't like to lose. And he came out today and said, "I'm disappointed." When you're disappointed with second, that's a good thing because I think as fans, sometimes it feels like if you're a fan of another driver it feels like you care almost more than that driver does. And that's not a good thing. You know, you shouldn't care more than somebody, than your driver does. And there's been times where, you know, I did it and and people who I, I known who are fr- fans of other drivers say they feel that way, where I felt like I was more upset than the driver does. Obviously that's not the case, but to f- even feel that way is wrong. And with Kyle Busch, I don't think that's ever the case. I don't think anybody ever feels like they're more mad than Kyle Busch at a second place run than Kyle Busch because he doesn't like to lose and you got to respect the guy. For that, let me say this: in third remember, place finish. Go ahead. I still ahead. remember the first race they ran with the car tomorrow, and they won. And <laughs> yeah. they got the first win in the car tomorrow. And Kyle Busch comes out there, basically said his car was a piece of crap. <laughs> right. Yeah, and he hates driving them. They suck. Yeah. Who could forget that when he when he did that over there? I believe that was Bristol, the first race of the COT. Gosh, it was so long ago now. It doesn't seem like that long ago, but it was. Um, but yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. And, and the third place finisher was Ryan Blaney. Let me say this, John, this is the kid and a driver who I was most impressed with this weekend. I know Clint Boyer did a, a great job and I'm not trying to take anything away from him, uh, in the victory, but you talked about Boyer. Boyer's done a nice job at Martinsville in the past. He's got a lot of top tens, got a, a few top fives. Blaney's a driver who, um, we've never really seen run very good at Martinsville. It seemed like Martinsville had always had its way with, with the young drivers and, and Ryan Blaney had yet to really prove himself at Martinsville. Well, today he went out there, led 145 laps, won a stage, uh, did an absolutely fantastic job today, and he deserves a lot of credit because there's some times where this racetrack, and Jeff Gordon talked about it, and Jeff Gordon was one of the best Martinsville drivers there was, where you sort of figure out this racetrack. And uh, I think today and this weekend was how Ryan, when Ryan Blaney figured out Martinsville because he ran an absolutely phenomenal race today. And really, if you don't think he's a complete driver by now, I mean, he's proven himself on a mile and a half tracks. He's proven himself uh, at Pocono where he's won. He's done very good on the plates. You know, almost, you know, was it was the best car in Daytona. And here he is at Martinsville now, proving that he could be the complete driver that everybody thinks he's going to be. 
145 laps led and, and a third place finish. An outstanding job of Ryan Blaney today in that Team Penske Ford finishing in the third spot. And I think we lost John there. Oh, no, I'm um, here. I lost you. <laughs> uh, an outstanding job by Ryan Blaney finishing in third today, John. Uh, I just think he just did a fantastic job. Yeah, I think uh, Blaney showed it that he is a student of the game. Um, the tracks that he struggled with in his first few years, uh, having the Cup Series, are Take if you're not so much to it, how do you get the turn? Where do you break at? How much brake are you going to use? How do you keep it down onto the uh, the curb on the inside without hitting the curb? You end up wheel hopping, you could end up taking out the field. Um, there's so many minuscule things that can ruin your day at Martinsville. Ryan was consistent, he was on the money all day long, ran well, he was up there. I mean, like you said, he won a stage, he finished third, and I just think Ryan Blaney and that 12 team is just going to keep growing and growing and get better and better. And Ryan Blaney reminds me a lot of his dad. Um, I mean, looks at Dave Blaney and says, oh, he's one of the greatest drivers ever. I think if Dave Blaney came to NASCAR at the age Ryan Blaney did, we'd be talking about Dave Blaney in the same way we talk about the Tony Stewart's or um, the Ryan Newman's. Dave Blaney was that good driver late and never wound up in really good equipment. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, he proved that he won the World of Outlaw Championship in 1995. Dave was a great, great driver and never really got the big opportunity. He had that one year at RCR. But other than that, never really had a big opportunity to prove himself in a cup car, but, uh, you know, Ryan, I was just so impressed today by his, by his run. Martin tricks junior was fourth in a fifth place run by Kevin Harvick. Um, you know, Harvick's had a great year this year and it's funny when you look at a fifth place finish and a, and a really consistent run today for Kevin Harvick in fifth, uh, and you sit there and you go, eh, not really what, you know, as great as it could have been, but a, a solid day. Same thing with Truex, you know, um, another top five finish for Truex. I don't think he, other than Daytona, I think he's got a top five finish in every race this year. So a solid day for those two for sure. Same thing with Joe Logano. You can put them in the same bowl in the same boat there, where uh, you know a, a a very good run for those three veterans, Truex, Harvick, and Logano today at Martinsville. And I think Harvick was talking about on happy hours last week at Martinsville. He really got it. Um, coming out of Martinsville, the top five has been. Um, he been up there fighting for a minute at Martinsville. He's always full. Um, he, he still have the hot head under the helmet, which uh, we'll figure we'll talk about later when it comes to his incident with Denny Hamlin. Uh, True X was consistent. He started on the pole because of the uh, uh, qualifying being rained out, and he was fast all day on Saturday. And just so happened, they snowed it out, and he wound up on the front. He never – he left four laps, and he was consistently there. He just wasn't in anything today. Joey Logano, um, he's just been consistent all year long. And to to finish – I mean, to win, you to first, you must first finish. And Joey Logano finishing, he's finishing well on a pretty regular basis. And I think as the season goes, out whatever they do next year after the 
win at Richmond was taken away and their season was pretty much crap after that. They've been solid and consistent from the drop of the first green flag all year long. They really haven't, and the 22 car has been fantastic. I mean, um, you know, they're not winning races like I think they want to, but compared to last year where they were, where it was just a dismal, dismal season for that 22 car and the Team Penske Ford, uh, to go out there and run as good as they have here early on in 2018 has been good. Um, a couple of really nice runs in seventh and eighth spot today. Uh, the first one is Alex Bowman in seventh. Um, you know, his best run at Hendrick Motorsports this season. It seemed like the 88 car, um, you know, and Hendrick Motorsports has been a little bit off, but a good job by Alex Bowman today to be the highest finishing Hendrick car. Um, it really seemed at the end of that race, that team came and really uh, pulled off some spots there and did a nice job. A.J. Almendinger, an eighth-place run, uh, was in the top ten for most of the day. Uh, you know, finished, I think, in the top ten in both stages. Did a great, great job. He's a very good racer at Martinsville. Um, you know, two guys who really needed to have a solid run. Nalman had a really, really tough year uh, before this year, before this week. So to go out and have a top ten run for him uh, and, and Alex Bowman as well, uh, a, a nice day for those two today at Martinsville. And one thing was, but he wasn't happy about it, even though they've struggled at times throughout the year. I mean, Alex, after the race, said it's frustrating to say we were looking for a seventh, but it's much better than we've been the past couple weeks and just happy for all the guys. But he said we haven't had the results we wanted to come here. Finish stronger is definitely a step in the right direction, but we still got a long way to go, and we're heading in the right direction. I liked it, Alex Bowman, even though uh, expectations for him aren't as high they are for a Jimmy Johnson or a Chase Elliott because it's his first full season. Did he finish seventh and he's frustrated about it and knows that there's more to gain, there's more knows that there's more to learn and more that more to do. I'm impressed with that. And uh the different I mean Almondinger it was very impressive with his run considering um you and I have talked several times on the show at times we the driver J T G Doherty and their cars are pretty much prepared to and Chris Bush at the lunch today, and Almondinger pulls off a top ten. Yeah, and not only that, he started and worked his way up through the field early in that race. Um, so a very, very impressive run. And, and qualifying, obviously, was rain or snowed out, whatever you want to call it, this weekend at Martinsville. So um, it wasn't like he qualified badly. He just didn't have the points because he's had a tough year. His best finish before today, other than Daytona, was 21st at Phoenix. So a well-needed run for A.J. Almendinger and a good job. Chase Elliott and Brad Keselowski rounding out your top ten. Two guys, I think you look at their ninth and tenth place runs here, John. I think you're a little disappointed. Um, I hate to say that, but, you know, Keselowski had a really fast car in practice. He was really fast in the only part of the race. Uh, he ended up tenth, and not a great run for him. Chase Elliott, you know, almost won this race last year. Probably should have won the race here in October of last year. Uh, and he wasn't very good today. He, you know, was a top 15 car, and ninth was probably the best he was all day. Um, so a little bit of disappointment there in ninth and tenth. I think when you look at where they ran, you say, I expected a lot more. I mean, Kozlowski I, I, was my pick to win today, um, and he just never really had a car uh, to go up there, especially in the second half of that race and compete. So a little bit of disappointment there for Chase Elliott and Brad Kozlowski in ninth and tenth. Well, I think one of the things with today um... – Unlike your normal Martinsville race, today drove like a mile and a half because there wasn't really a whole hell of a lot of passing throughout the race. I mean, people got some track position on different things with pit stops and everything, but there wasn't a whole heck of a lot of passing. Um, I mean, look at the amount of laps led. 
Blaney led 140-something. Boyer led 180-something. Kyle Busch led a bunch. And that was about it. True X tulips. But once you're in the top 10, you pretty much stayed there. I mean, they talked about Jimmy Jones to the points during the race where um, he started deep in the field in points because they lined him up by points. And he got up to the top 10, but that's about as far as he could get. And he wound up uh, a lap 15th, which for Jimmy Johnson at Martinsville, I'm starting to get nervous. They have the off here where Hendrick can go back and diagnose the chassis that they've built and figure out if there's something they're missing and everything. There's some major, major work going on at Hendrick Motorsports over these, this next week and a half. Oh, no doubt. I think uh, there there has to be, and uh, especially with the Chevrolet teams, you know, you, you talked about not being a, a track where you passed it. You were right. I thought the, it was kind of a, a race where everybody said it was hard to pass. Not sure the tire was, was all that great for uh, Martinsville today. Um, I think they should, they're going to look at that next time they come there because it was kind of a, like you said, you know, you didn't, really couldn't go anywhere. Um, but it you know, that shouldn't take anything away from Clint Boyer and, and that stuff for sure because they, they got up there and they were able to, to pull off. And everybody was in the same boat. 11th place was Kurt Busch. Then you had Denny Hamlin in 12th, Paul Menard 13th, 14th, Eric Amarola. Jimmy Johnson finished 15th. He was the first car one lap down. Then it was Kyle Larson, Eric Jones, Daniel Suarez, Ryan Newman, and William Byron rounding out the top 20. Uh, let's dig a little bit into that, Kurt Busch. A decent day, not great, but, you know, something that you're not going to go crazy about. And Denny Hamlin finishing 12th was shocking because he led 111 laps early, as you talked about, fell off uh, the second middle part of that race and never recovered. Um, you know, and I found it interesting that he led early because he was saying – in practice, said he wasn't very happy with his race car. Uh, said, you know, it wasn't, he wasn't the feel that he wanted, um, and he wasn't very happy with what was going on. And, you know, the first part of that race, it seemed like they hit on it, but the second part, they must have made a bad adjustment and never could recover because he fell at 12th, you know, didn't get a top 10 run. And when you look at 12th, considering how good he was early on in that race, that's a very, very disappointing run for Denny Hamlin. So tough day for him as well. And Kirkbush, um, you know, in 11th, not a terrible day, like I said. Uh, didn't really do a whole lot better than that all day. But um, what do you think of those two drivers, Hamlin there and Kurt Busch? Well, Kurt was uh, battling with Keselowski for seventh and eighth at one point, and they sort of got into each other, and Kurt went up the track, and he wound up getting pushed back to 11th and 12th and wound up with his 11th place finish. Um, one of the things with today, I mean, I think the cool temperatures wound up giving them a hell of a lot more grip than they're used to. And if you look at the lap times, they were all, I mean, the top 10, you could throw a blanket under them. Their lap times were almost identical. So there was nobody able to really separate. You wound up, everybody pretty much running the same speed. It's tough to pass when you're all running the same speed. Um, with, yeah, it really is. You, you have to do make contact, you know, and that that's what, and people don't like that at Martinsville, but the reason well, why you do that is because you're thinking around contact, people. If you look at the contact thing, that's what's what ended, I mean, sort of messed up Denny Hamlin's day. Uh, Harvick was behind him to make a pass. Harvick wound up pushing him out of the way, getting by. And Hamlin came back behind and sort of uh, was tapping Harvick again. And Hamlin says Harvick brake-checked him. Harvick said, I was just trying to make sure I control the car. And the front end of Denny Hamlin's car got taken to the rear end of Harvick. And it wound up causing where it was overheating at times during the day, and they had to take care to make sure they made the 500 laps. 
So I think part of it, uh, Denny Hamlin's car was really good. They wound up making adjustments between um, qualifying being rained and snowed out to the race, and they got a feel for Hamlin that he wanted. He won the first stage, but that incident with Harvick just messed up his day. And here's Hamlin on the incident with Harvick that John talked about earlier. Um, Here's Hamlin's words on, on that incident. Uh, he had just got to me, and I think he uh, bumped me three or four times, and then uh, you know I was just bumping him back, and he brake checked me. So it's, uh, yeah, I guess I probably should have brake checked him in the first place, but uh, you know it was just a light bumps here, and he just slams on the brake. So classy. Yeah, it sounds like short track racing to me. I mean, uh, you know, I know I know some guys get annoyed at it for sure, but um, you know, it sounds like short track racing to me with with the beating and banging and, and the, the gamesmanship that goes on there between two drivers for sure. But, you know, it's a tough day for uh, Hamlin. And it wasn't the only incident that um, Kevin Harvick was involved with today. He also got an incident with his teammate, Eric Amarola, who finished in the 14th spot on pit road. Amarola could never really recover. We saw him get to the top 10, but not a terrible day considering how much damage was on that number 10 mobile one car today uh, with the incident with Kevin Harvick and Eric Amarola, so uh, he salvaged a decent day out of it to finish in the 14th spot. Another great day for Stuart Haas Racing. You think about it, all four cars in the top 15. A win for Clint Boyer, which um, I can almost guarantee you the party is just getting started and it won't end till Wednesday. <laughs> and Because um, they don't have to race this weekend. Hell, they could probably end up going to, to Good Friday with their party down there at the uh, Boyer Estate. Um it just is Stuart Haas for some reason this year have clicked on everything. And, and we talked about it at Texas last year that Harvick found something because nobody could get by Martin Truex or run away from him in a mile and a half track. And Harvick did it at Texas. And this year, the entire Stuart Haas operation has come out of the gate strong. I mean, you said it, Eric Almarola was a half a lap away from winning the Daytona 500. Uh, Harvick won three races. Kurt Busch has been consistent all year. Uh, Clint Boyer was consistent all year. I mean, you looked where the Stuart Haas cars started today. They started 8th, 9th, 10th, and 11th. And that's because they lined up on points. So all four Stuart Haas cars are legit this year. It's not like they have Danica there weighing the place down where she's griping and moaning because she's 25th. And everybody else going, hey, Danica made 25th today. Yay! But, no, they have four cars that legitimately are top ten contenders, and I think it's a matter of time before Kurt Busch and Almirola find their way to victory lane. Yeah, no doubt, especially with how they've been running this first part of the year. Now, I think a lot of things are going to change as we get ready for Texas with this off weekend. I think you're going to see a lot of teams incorporate new stuff into their race cars for 2018, especially the Chevrolet teams on a mile and a half. So I think Texas will be a big kind of game changer. Um, then I think we got Richmond and Bristol coming up after that, and that's going to be a lot of fun to watch as well. But keep your eyes out for that. You know, teams are going to work. They're not going to take some time off here. You know, you might see them on, on, during the weekend take some time off and be with their family during the Easter holiday. But after that, you know, and before that, they're going to work. They're going to work hard and try and get their cars ready for Texas. And including that will probably be Jimmy Johnson. Now, Jimmy finished in the 15th spot today. It looked like for most of the race Jimmy was going to find himself he was hanging around the ninth spot, and you kind of just waited for that 48 team to go, okay, they're going to make an adjustment here, and they're going to go up to the top five, and they're going to have a solid Martinsville day like they usually do. Um, that didn't happen today. They got off on their adjustments as well. 
on that 48 team and a lot of chatter on, on social media about what is going on with that 48 car. Now, obviously, we know that um, with the new Chevrolet bodies and stuff, that affects their mile-and-a-half program. But I think everybody expects Jimmy Johnson at his place. He's won here nine times to figure it out at Martinsville and say, okay, we got to figure it out. We're going to have a solid day. Didn't happen today. And I think there's a lot of people questioning what is going on with that 48 team. And I personally believe, John, and I know this isn't going to get a lot of, a lot of um, you know, this is an unpopular opinion, but I personally believe that the magic in that 48 team between Jimmy Johnson and Chad Canals is gone now. I don't think, you know, they haven't been the same team for a year. It almost feels like, you know, we've got Dover coming up, and that's one of their best racetracks, and, and I'll still give them the opportunity to sit there and say they, they, they can win Dover. But I'll tell you what, man, a, another disappointing day for that 48 car, um, just nowhere close to what we're normally see from that 48 team. I just think the magic between Chad and Jimmy uh, is starting to fade a little bit here uh, between his driver and crew chief on that 48 car. I think um... – Part of it is the Chevy struggles. I mean, there's no Chevy up there that is doing anything special. It's not like um, not like Chase Elliott's winning three races and Jimmy Johnson's mired back there in 15th one lap down. Um, Bowman had a decent race today. Chase Elliott had a decent race today. William Byron was behind Johnson, and he's struggling to um, get used to driving in a cup car. I mean, yeah, you can beat all the guys in the trucks, you can beat all the guys in the Xfinity, and there may be four or five cup drivers in there. This in the in the in the show, you've got 37 cup drivers there, and even the crappy equipment guys are good cup drivers a lot of times. You put them in an Xfinity car, and they could probably do well. Um, I think part of it is everything tested great in the wind tunnel or whatever, and they thought they were ready to go. But the wind tunnel is a hell of a lot different than having four wheels on a pavement and 37 other clowns around you. Um, I just don't think it's – they've got the aerodynamics down. I don't think they've got the handling down. I don't think they have the adjustments down no. yet. And I think there's a lot of um, – a lot of work was probably done this week because once you're out on the West Coast swing for those three races, you're probably probably stuck with what you got. There's not a whole no lot of changing you can make while you're on the West Coast. They probably did a lot of work going into Martinsville because, and not on the Martinsville car. They probably had that thing set up ready to go. They probably are working on the Texas car and the mile and a half going forward, trying to decipher what isn't there from Vegas and California and Phoenix to make sure they're set getting past the break here for Easter. No doubt. No doubt. It's just a big disappointing day, I think, for that 48 car. And they're fans, really, because you're not used to seeing Jimmy Johnson go to Martinsville and struggle like he did and finish, you know, not on the lap. He was a lap down in 15th. And these next group of drivers, John, you know, we talked about, um, you know, young drivers not really feeling Martinsville. It takes a while, I think, to get this racetrack. It's such a unique racetrack to where, you know, not a lot of young kids get the feel for it, especially in the cup car. You know, it took Jeff Gordon a couple of years to really figure it out, and then he became phenomenal at Martinsville. And I think these next group of drivers here are sort of in that boat. You know, you've got Kyle Larson in 16th, Eric Jones in 17th, Daniel Suarez in 18th. He had some damage on his car. Ryan Newman in 19th, a veteran in the group, and then you had William Byron in 20th. Um, you know, again, I just think, you know, Larson hasn't figured out Martinsville yet. He's great pretty much everywhere else, but he hasn't figured out Martinsville yet. Um, and it, I think he eventually will. 
but just a not, not a great day again. Was It was sort of a back marker all day long. Eric Jones and Daniel Suarez in that group where this is only Suarez's third race ever in a cup car at Martinsville. Same thing with Jones. They kind of had a tough day out there. And Byron's first ever race at Martinsville in a cup car, finishing 20th. Um, you know, and you, I'm sure he learned a ton today. Uh, the guy I think it sticks out like a sore thumb is Ryan Newman. Not a great day for him. RCR struggled. I know uh, Austin Dillon had some issues um, on his number three car. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of people expect Newman when you come to a racetrack like this where, you know, and he's got all the experience he has to give a nice solid run. And the 19th place run three laps down is not what we expect from Ryan Newman. So from 16th to 20th, what really sticks out for you, John? Well, the thing, like you said, um, Newman finishing 19th. I think uh, RCR has struggled a good bit this year. Uh, take away Austin Dillon's win at Daytona. There's not really been a lot of shining performances for RCR throughout the year. Um, and the thing is where RCR is probably about the same place they were last year, maybe a tick up. Stuart Haas has gone three ticks up, and Penske has righted the ship and added the Blaney car. And Paul Menard for the Wood Brothers hasn't um, – he's been respectable. He hasn't really done anything to get himself in trouble. He's been pretty consistent for the Wood Brothers. So you've added another car with Blaney coming up there and contending for top tens. You've got the other – the 10 car from Eric Amarola. The switch from Danica to that car – to Eric Amarola has made the 10 car a contender. Uh, the second year of Bogoravich and Clint Boyer together and understanding the Ford notebook has made the 14 better. The 41 still consistent as it's been. Um, all, uh, Joey is righted the ship on the, on the 22 car. There are a lot of cars that have improved where the Chevys have pretty much not caught on to things yet. And I think you said this next week, where they have the off time, where they've been working and working. They probably work most of this week. They'll work all of this week coming up. And most of next week, getting ready for Texas in the mile and a half. If they're out at Texas, Chevy's in for a long year. And the only place I could see Jimmy Johnson finding a way to win would either be Bristol or Dover, just because he is king of concrete. No doubt about it. 917-889-8280. Talking circles. Clayton Caldwell and John Harlow here with you, breaking down the STP 500 from Martinsville Speedway. A little bit later, we're going to break down the Alpha Energy Resources 250, where John Hunter Nemechek won his sixth career race at Martinsville. Again, that's going to be a little bit later on in the show as we continue our uh, recap of the STP 500. We'll give you positions 21 through 38 today uh, and talk a little bit about that part of the field and who had a good day and who struggled uh, Michael McDowell finished 21st, Ty Dillon 22nd, Chris Busher was 23rd, then you had Casey Kane, David Reagan, Jane McMurray in 26th, tough day for him, Cole Witt, DJ Kennington, Ross Chastain, Austin Dillon was your top 30, then you had J.J. Yelly, Matt Benedetto, Trevor Bain, Bubba Wallace, Harrison, Burt, Harrison Rhodes, excuse me, uh, Craig Golding, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and Landon Castle rounded out the field. A couple of things that stand out for me here, John, Bubba Wallace and the race at STP sponsored. I think they, you know, uh, put a lot of emphasis into this race, had some mechanical failure early on in that race, had to go behind the wall. They went back out. He finished 34th, tough day for him. But Rash Fenway, uh, Stenhouse went to a backup car because he wrecked, wheel hopped in practice, finished 37 today with some issues. Same thing with Trevor Bain in 33rd. Uh, a terrible day for Rash Fenway racing as well at Martinsville. Not 
has never really been their best racetrack, really since Jeff Burton's left the team and Mark Martin's left the team. They really haven't been able to conquer Martinsville. Matt Kenseth was never great at Martinsville. Um, Greg Biffle was never great at Martinsville. And now it just seems like with these two, they're not great at Martinsville. Stenhouse had a terrible weekend this weekend. Uh, so Roush Fenway continues their woes, these early woes here in 2018. And same thing with Jamie McMurray. Um, not a great day. And, and I know he had, a, a, I believe, a tire go down and crashed. Um, ended up 26, which it could have been worse than that. But, man, McMurray's had such a tough season so far to the year. Uh, you look at it, and you say, I think he's like 27th in points. He's got a right to ship getting ready to Texas. Those are the things that really stand out for me, John, uh, here in the back end of the field. Yeah, I think Roush Fenway really has to do some soul-searching. Um, I wonder if Jack Roush is still thinking if the AdvoCare money is worth Trevor Bain being in the car and not Chris Buescher. I wonder if that's the one that got away in Jack's mind. Um, Stenhouse just has never been good at Martinsville. He's been respectable this year, though. I mean, he's, he's held the flag for Roush Fenway Racing, but it hasn't been anything special. One of the things that I had to laugh about during the week is Bubba Wallace was being interviewed, and he says, I love Martinsville. I'm going there to win because Bubba has won half the truck races he entered in. And Drew Blickensturfer had to remind him, it's like, hey, yo, Bubba, <clears throat> you weren't racing against Jimmy Johnson and Kevin Harvick and all the cup stars in the truck series. Yeah, you could win half the truck series. You come up here, it's a whole new ball game. And unfortunately, with the mechanical issues that Bubba and, and the team faced, they found Bubba found out the hard way that 500 laps at Martinsville in a cup car is a hell of a lot different than 250 laps in a truck. Yeah, I think even though he had his issues today, it was still very worth it for him to go out there and, and turn laps and race because it wasn't like he had a lot of damage where the car was really affected. Uh, you know, he had that problem in the back, but they fixed it. And uh, so you could learn how to race, you know, go out there and try. And I know you've got to stay out of leader's way and respect the guys that are running up front, but, you know, get around people and say, this is how you get around Martin's on a cup car. Okay, I got it, and he'll be better off next time he goes there. So, um, you know, I think that helped Bubba Wallace for sure. You know, you look at the point standings also in the cup series. You know, got Kyle Busch in, in the lead, Mark Tricks Jr., uh, he's second, then Ryan Blaney, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, Denny Hamlin in the top six, Harvick. Boyer, Larson, Bush, Amarola, Eric Jones, Dylan Bowman, Pulmonard, and Ryan Newman round out your top 16. Uh, absent is Jimmy Johnson and Chase Elliott, obviously in 17th and 18th in points. A couple other notables way back in the field. We talked about McMurray. He's 26th in the points. Bubba Wallace, you talked about him. He's 23rd. Daniel Suarez, who's had a tough year this year, he's 22nd. Ty Dillon's 30th. So those guys, uh, Trevor Bain is 29th in the standings. So tough year so far six races for those guys. Um, final thoughts, John. Anything you want to talk about on Martinsville in the Cup? Uh, and and the, through the first six races that you've observed here uh, here on the Cup Series side. Well, with Martinsville, I mean, I think tires were the key, and that was because of temperature. A lot of times, I mean, you look in the October race, they do get slipping and sliding around. A lot of times, this race is we just caught a fluke snowstorm on Saturday, and it was cold today. And the tires gave them a hell of a lot more grip. The engines ran a hell of a lot more cooler and were able to generate more horsepower. So, I mean, it was a very uncharacteristic Martinsville race where there was only one caution other than competition caution and stage cautions. So, I mean, 
it was different than we're used to, but it was a great day for Clint Boyer. It was a great day for Stuart Haas. For the first six races, um, the demise of Ford is definitely overrated. Uh, Brad Keselowski saying last year that Ford is so far behind because we're running five-year-old cars. Guess what, boys and girls? Ford is not dead. They finished first, third, and fifth today. They've won four of the six races, all four coming from Stuart Haas. Um, Blaney, Keselowski, and Logano have all been consistent, fighting for top ten spots on a regular basis. Um, Ford isn't dead. That's my big observation from the first six races. The closest thing is to dead is Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss, unless something turns around here in these next couple weeks. You might be able to say, old uh, seven-time, like I said, he. I've said it a few times already. He's closer to retirement than he is another championship. Interesting. I, I, you know, and it's funny because a lot of people were saying that on, on social media where they sat there and said, is it Jimmy Johnson? Is, is the fact that he's 42 years old affecting him? And Jimmy, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I believe it was before Phoenix, said that's BS to Bob Pachris. And I agree with him. I don't think, um, you know, he's, he's, he's a great athlete. He's still in great shape. I don't think it's it's the uh, it's the age. I just think sometimes you need to change. You know, I mean, um, you know, Chuck Knoll couldn't coach the Pittsburgh Steelers forever. Um, you know, and and you know, Joe Torre couldn't coach manage the New York Yankees forever because sometimes you just you get tired of hearing the same voice over and over again, or it doesn't motivate you as much as it used to. Um, and I think you know we might have a a we might be looking into the, I might be looking into this too much, but. You know, when you think about what happened with the 48 this year, the new car chief, um, you know, we know that, uh, oh, my goodness. Ron Malik. Uh, Ron Malik left the team, and they got a new guy in there this year. And, you know, it makes, makes you scratch your head and wonder, how's that affected him? Has it affected him? Um, I don't know if that has, but I always I think of it this way. You know, maybe the new car chief is – the next crew chief for Jimmy Johnson and Chad sort of leading the way to the car chief saying, listen, this is how you do it. This is how we do things here on that 48 team. And I'm going to run up into the sunset and give my best shot here in 2018 to win my eighth championship. And if I can't do it, I'm going to retire and call it a career. I think that's something that, that is very um, possible that will happen. What are your thoughts, John, on the whole 48 situation? Because it's so interesting. It is very interesting. Um, it's something we've never seen before. I mean, this is the longest drought Jimmy Johnson's ever gone without a win. Um, one of the things I think about is the feedback that goes into the um, team meetings. Um, and we've talked about that might be part of the thing that's helping Stuart Haas is because all four drivers have a year Ford and have something they put out of it. Eric Morola is coming from a Ford, but he's getting information at the uh, – competition meetings that Danica Patrick probably never could because she's fighting to stay a lap down or fighting to stay on the end of the lead lap. Um, I think the car chief of Ron Malik being gone, he's the only car chief Jimmy Johnson's ever had. And I think you, if you look at the way NASCAR is penalizing people now, if they fail inspection, they're not throwing the crew chief out first. They're throwing the car chief out. And the car chief is the guy who makes the car sing. The crew chief makes the decisions on four tires, what adjustments to be made. They overall manage the team. But I don't think the crew chief is his nut and bolts 
into putting the car together as the car chief is. And you take that car chief away, it impacts the team. Ron Malik not being there this year, the switch from the SS to the Camaro, with Ron Malik not being there to be able to say, okay, I know how Jimmy wants a car built, and I know what works for Jimmy. I think they've got some learning going on in Hendrick Motorsports. I also think Alex Bowman and William Byron aren't providing information like they would get from Casey Kane and Dale Earnhardt Jr. I think Chase Elliott's a good driver. I don't think he's providing the information that Jeff Gordon used to provide. So I think the competition meetings at Hendrick Motorsports are not the same as they used to be. And Jimmy Johnson has shown more commitment this year because he's not living in Aspen during the season and flying only in for the competition meetings. He's in Charlotte all week long. And he's being a part of the team because he figures I'm the lead dog. I need to be able to be there to lead these guys, work with Byron, work with Bowman to help get them better. I think the Byron and Bowman thing, it's two new drivers who aren't at the level of a Jimmy Johnson. You look, they brought Chase Elliott in when they still had Junior and Dale Earnhardt Jr. I mean, Dale Hart, they, they had uh, Dale Jr. and Casey Kane. Now they're bringing two new drivers in. Chase Elliott's only three years into the series, and you've got Johnson there. So everybody's feeding off Johnson, and Johnson isn't getting any help from anybody else, it seems. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think the combination of all that stuff, no doubt, I think that might have an effect on it. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, as we said before, going to Texas Motor Speedway, when they can put what they've learned in those race cars after really a week off and see what this 48 team in, in Hendrick Motorsports has. For, you know, you're going to get a good idea here in the next, in the next four or five races what this team's going to have for the majority of the 2018 season. Um, and if they, you know, they run better and they prove themselves, they're going to be in good shape. If they don't, it could be a long, number, it could be a long year for Hendrick Motorsports here in 2018. 917-889-8280. If you want to talk about anything from Martinsville and this weekend, uh, we're all ears. So make sure you call that number at 917-889-8280. But we're going to review the Alpha Energy Resources 250 from Martinsville Speedway. It was a uh, NASCAR came from a truck series race, delayed 48 hours almost. Uh, was supposed to be run on Saturday. Rain came 22 laps into the event on Saturday. Uh, they restarted it this morning at about 11 a.m. Um, and it ended up being John Hunter Nemechek's sixth career NASCAR Camping World Truck Series victory, his first at Martinsville. Uh, Kyle Benjamin finished second. Brett Moffitt was third, and it was Grant Enfinger and Noah Gregson, the top five. Um, John Hunter made a great move at the end of that race. You know, a, a nice uh, pit call got up front. You know, some pit strategy, I should say, got him up front. Uh, but a very good job by John Hunter Nemechek. This kid's a good driver. There's no doubt about it. I think he, lo- he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way with his antics in Canada a few years ago. Um, but there's no doubt this kid can drive. I think, you know, especially when you look at it and say – Nemco Motorsports isn't, you know, uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports. It isn't GMS Racing. It isn't uh, the big teams in the truck series. It's a solo truck operation for the most part. And, uh, you know, they don't have a ton of employees there. And they do a very nice job. And John Hunter is a very good driver. Um, you know, and, and it's just a, another solid run for John Hunter and uh, a, a deserving victory for sure. Yeah, I, I really expect, and you and I were talking while the race was going on, and 
Jamie McMurray is long in the tooth in that number one car for Chip Ganassi Racing. And Chip Ganassi has picked John Hunter Nemechek to split the 42 ride in the Xfinity Series. And I think if Target was back, there would have been a second car in the Xfinity Series, and John Hunter probably would have been full-time. Because some of the DC solar money that went into the 48, the the 48 car that um, Chip Ganassi was running in the Xfinity Series, the DC solar money's up at, in the cup level with um, Kyle Larson. So I think Joe, John Hunter Nemechek's probably the next guy in the one car whenever Jamie McMurray decides to hang it up. And he's made up for it a lot since that Canadian um, Motorsports Park wreck at the crossing the finish line and uh, running Cole Custer off of the track. He's been a model citizen. And one of the things that he learned early, I mean, especially driving for his dad, were basically they've probably mortgaged their home to keep Nemco Motorsports going so John Hunter Nemechek can um, have a career in stock car racing. And he used to be really tough on equipment till Joe probably grabbed him by the neck and said, hey, if you wreck one more truck, we don't have a place to live. I mean, it probably was getting to that point because John Hunter Nemechek was wrecking a lot of trucks. And he started being consistent and taking what he got with the truck. If it was a seventh-place truck, he finished seventh. Maybe tried to get sixth, but he wasn't trying to push his way up to third and fourth. Um, I think it was a good day for John Hunter Nemechek. The guy who really felt bad for was Ben Rhodes. And it was, again, it shows the way the track was today. Ben Rhodes started from the pole. He wound up leading 134 laps, but had trouble in the pits and could never get back. I mean, he was the fastest car on the track when he was in the lead, but he got mired in 12th, 13th spot and could never get past there. Yeah, and there's no doubt. I mean, he did a great job for the majority of that race, and I think the pit crew kind of let him down there. Um, and it just seems like Rhodes, for whatever reason, you know, I know last year, I believe, or two years ago, I believe it was Vegas, or he was dominating the race and had some kind of issue come up. You know, and he's won, he's won before in the truck series, and he's a good driver. Um, you know, he did a great job today. I think he proved to a lot of people that he can run, he can run Martinsville. You know, he was he did a great job, and it was a tough day, no doubt about it. I feel for the kid, especially not to get a top ten out of it. That must really stink uh, to finish in the 12th spot after how good he was early on in that race. Um, and you're right. It just shows you what Martinsville was, where he had to have a lot of track position um, and a, a uh, you know, nothing to hang your head on and say, well, we didn't really run great because I just think, you know, when you look at it and say, hey, you want to let 134 laps, won a couple stages, he did a good job. So, um, you know, he'll move on, get ready for Dover, and, uh, you know, but you have to feel bad for the kid, know that about it. Another kid I was very impressed with, John, was Kyle Benjamin. His first career truck series race in David Gilland Racing, um, Crosley Brands, Foothills, Capital, Toyota for that team. You know, not the biggest team in the world either. Solo truck operation there as well. Same thing with Brett Moffitt in third. Um, but he did a great job, you know, and uh, a, a second-place run, led 74 laps, uh, came, came darn close to winning that race. Uh, a, a solid day for Kyle Benjamin as well. I think he proved and showed people that he can race for sure here today at Martinsville. Yeah, he did. I, I, there's a lot of the guys in the top ten who I'm really impressed with their run. Um, like you said, Brett Moffitt and the single-car team. One of the things I'm impressed with is how, how well Thor Sport overall has run. It wasn't a great day for Matt Crafton, but the Thor Sport Fords have done pretty well considering they made the announcement three weeks before they 
um, got to Daytona that they were switching from Toyota to Ford. And if I remember right, listening to uh, Ben Rhodes talking uh, during the week, he said they ran a Brad Keselowski racing backup truck as their Daytona truck. And they're still putting things together at Thor Sport. They're off until Dover, so now they have the chance to – they haven't even put a truck in the wind tunnel yet. So now they have the chance to do the deep dive and get research and get them going. So far this year, Thor Sport has impressed me with what they've been able to do with the least amount of time. I, I was really yeah. impressed – Again, with Timothy Peters, the way he ran today, in a very underfunded truck that didn't really anything to write about, and he pulled himself off a top-ten finish. Uh, Austin Hill with a good run. Harrison Burton, I mean, he is starting to run like his dad, where he's just consistent all the time and doing really well for Kyle Busch Motorsports. Um, Austin Hill with a top-ten finish. Same with Justin Haley. I mean, there's a lot of names up there you really don't see on a regular basis. Same with Myatt Snyder. Um, but it was an impressive day for the team that finished teams that finished in the top 10, but I'm still heartbroken for Ben Rhodes and his pit crew. Let him down. Yeah, that stinks. No doubt about it. And you bring up Timothy Peters. I mean, what do you expect? The guy is a solid racer. He's great at Martinsville. Um, you know, in the 92 team, no doubt with Ricky Benton and racing enterprises, they're a team that, you know, they don't, you don't expect them to win on a regular basis. I don't think they go out there and expect to go out and really win, um, but a, a solid day for Timothy Peters. I think he had to get his legs underneath him and, uh, you know, feel out this truck for the first part of the race because he wasn't in the 10, but then all of a sudden he figured it out, finished seventh. Solid day for him, no doubt about it. Another driver I want to give a call to is Corey Roper. And I know, uh, you know, you look at 13th and you say, well, that's not a great run, but, you know, that's his, that's his family ran organization, zero, number 04 truck, and his first ever truck race qualified pretty good. Had a very good day at Martinsville for a, a driver making his first ever start. Now, we saw a lot of drivers in that same capacity where you look at it and you say, okay, there was a lot of drivers out there who you don't really recognize making their first career Martinsville start, and it usually doesn't turn out too well for them. Uh, you know, usually they get in some, some incidences. Uh, they don't run as well as Corey Roper did, which I, you know, I was pretty impressed with his day today as well. Todd Goland was up front for most of the day. He got a little bit of scuffle, and that hurt him in the 14th spot. But uh, a couple of, of, of decent days for sure in that back end of the field. I think Roper is a guy who, um, you know, who knows what his career is going to come to. But, a, you know, when you leave Martinsville after your first ever truck race and you say, we finished 13th, I think if you told him before the race that's what was going to happen, I think he would have signed off and taken on that, no doubt about it. No matter what. I mean, here he is. You tell, okay, here's your first uh experience in a truck you're going to drive martinsville and you're going to finish ahead of johnny sauter and matt crafton i'd sign up for that every day and twice on sunday no doubt about it absolutely can't agree more with that you know look at the point standings and you mentioned Mar- you mentioned the truck series you know as much as i love one that watching the trucks run um, you know, I know what it is with these teams. They got to get you know prepared, and they don't have a lot of help over there. And some of these do the truck series, so to to have a nice break to Dover, I think a lot of these teams are looking at going. Thank goodness, because they're used to like a five week break between Daytona and Martinsville, and getting their seat, their feet underneath them to get ready for the rest of the season. But um, you know, now we got about a five week break before we get ready for Dover, and I think a lot of teams were sort of 
ready for that. Johnny Sauter's your points leader. He leads over 29 points over Brent Enfinger. Then you have Brett Moffitt, Ben Rhodes, Noah Gregson, Stuart Friesen, Matt Crafton, and Myatt Snyder. Your top eight in points over trucks only take eight drivers um, in the in the playoffs. There's two drivers who have won races, Johnny Sauter and, and Brett Moffitt, that are running for points in the truck series. This season they've run, uh, you know, four races, and, they, and they've run um, – Daytona, Atlanta, Las Vegas, and now Martinsville to get ready for Dover here. Um, any any surprises? I mean, I, I think when you look at the point standings, Stuart Friesen's had a pretty good year. You know, he had a tough day today at Martinsville where he was running up front and uh, somebody ran into him. But, you know, this is a guy who last year at this time they were they were really struggling. There was talks where they were going to shut that team down. And um, now they've gotten with GMS Racing and they've done a pretty good job. He's sixth in the standings, so he looks pretty good. You mentioned Ben Rhodes. You got Brett Moffitt, who I think is a silent, silent contender, a very quiet, quiet contender for the championship this year. And then you have Grant Enfinger, who has yet to win a race there, running full time in this series. But I think he's knocking on the door. And of course, the veteran Johnny Sauter there, um, first in points. One surprise, John, no doubt for me, is Matt Crafton, seventh in the standings. I think a lot of people would expect to do four races. He would have been a little bit better than that. I think one of the surprises to me is Myatt Snyder because before the season, you and I were kind of wondering why he wasn't one of the guys who wound up in one of the empty seats at Kyle Busch, uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports. And he wound up landing at Thor Sport, which isn't a bad place to land. But he's been consistent all year long. He's in eighth in points. And he, again, Thor Sport is totally revamping everything. The fact that Ben Rhodes, Matt Crafton, and Myatt Snyder are in the top top eight and would qualify for the playoffs today. And Thor Sport hasn't taken a truck to the wind tunnel. Thor Sport hasn't even done any engine, real engineering on them. They're throwing stuff together and saying, okay, we got to get a truck on the track. And they're being respectable with it. So it's an impressive run for Thor Sport that they have three trucks in the top eight. Yeah, and another thing that stands out for me is you have Johnny Soder in first, but that's the only GS car our own GMS truck, I should say, in the top eight this year. Dalton Sargent, ninth. Uh, and then you have um, Cody Coughlin, 13th. Justin Haley, 11th. So they've kind of struggled this year. Um, and they, get, they give help to uh, Austin Wayne Self and Justin Fontaine as well over there at GMS Racing. And they also give help to Stuart Friesian. You know, but Friesian's done a nice job this year. Um, and I, I don't think we expect much from, from Austin Wayne Self and Justin Fontaine. They're young kids with a team that is not a, a, exactly GMS Racing but they get some support there for them as well. So you can't really lump them in the same boat is what I'm trying to say at GMS Racing. But, um, you know, interesting year for the truck series. We'll see what they got here coming up at Dover. It's an off weekend this week, John. We're going to, you know, um, no racing for this week. Um, but, you know, a, I think a decent day at Martinsville. would like to see a different tire there for sure next time we go there. Yeah, I think, again, it's the weather that probably caused If it was a hot slip, uh, a lot a lot better racing but because it was cool the tires had more grip than they used to the engines ran with better horsepower than they're used to running on a hot day so i think if they go back in october with the same tire it'll be a whole different race yeah yeah no doubt about it i think that's a huge um factor in the race one thing everybody for listening to talking in circles tonight make sure you like our facebook page and like us on twitter we'll see you next time good night everybody